0: Katie and myself are going to be bringing you Senlin Ascends. Before we get into the episode, I'm going to give you the usual spiel, along with one extra little deal. Uh, Chris is doing something special right now, and we're going to give you, I guess, what could almost be our first advertisement. So you can reach us at nerdbookreview at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter at the Nerd Book Review. You can reach us with our Facebook page, Nerd Book Review, and hopefully about May, I think, we're going to have our website slash blog out. Um, That will hopefully have a bunch of extra stuff, um, some books that we're not doing on the podcast, as well as some extra stories, some of the people that... um, Hopefully we'll have a few extra people that will be contributing to that as well. It will be mostly my buddies, so uh, we won't have any true writing expertise, but we are all huge fantasy fans and nerds in our own right. So I hope you guys enjoy that. A quick review of what will be coming up in the next couple weeks. Uh, we will have Damien Black's interview, and then after that uh, should be Heart of Stone by Ben Galley and we'll see what's going on from there. Um, I know we'll have some more interviews. I'm going to try to get a mix of interviews and book reviews out, um, and hopefully I'll get all of those Spiffbo finalists done and taken care of here shortly. Uh, One last thing real quick before I get into Chris's message is if you would be so kind as to leave a rating and review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to, we would be greatly appreciative. Thank you so much. Here's Chris, and then after that, we will get to Senlin Ascends. Chris is doing something a little bit special, and um, so this is going to be
1: our first kind of ad. Make-A-Wish Idaho is putting on its annual Walk for Wishes on June 1st at Esther Simplot Park in Boise. The walk is to help raise funds to grant wishes for children facing critical illnesses. I'm on a committee to help to organize the event, but I'm fundraising for it as well. My fundraising page is bit.ly forward slash M-A-W-I Chris Hazen. That's bit.ly forward slash M-A-W-I as in Make-A-Wish Idaho, Chris Hazen, which is my name. You can donate to my team or just Google Make-A-Wish Idaho and donate there. It's a really neat event for an awesome cause. And every donation, no matter the size, really does help do something cool for these kids. Again, that's bit.ly M A W I Chris Hazen. And I'll talk Cameron into posting the link on the episode notes. Absolutely. And, and I'll pin a link on my Twitter, which is at Plastic Shroud. And when
0: we put this episode out, I will have a link on um, I'll put that up when we on the Nerdbook review as well for the Twitter when we post the episode.
1: Awesome. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Hi, I'm Cam. And I'm Katie. And I'm Chris. That is correct. We have three of us today, and this is the Nerdbook Review. Today, we will be reviewing Senlon Ascends by Josiah Bancroft. Katie, how are you
1: tonight?
2: Okay. <laughs> how about you?
0: <laughs> I'm doing fine. Chris, how are you?
1: I am pretty good. Wait, is it Josiah? I think if Josiah. I think, yeah, I think on... Book Geeks Unlimited, they said Josiah. Yes,
0: it is Josiah Bancroft. Let's not get that wrong. Although he's a Canadian, so at least he's not one of those dirty Europeans, you know. (laughs) (laughs)
2: He's one of those dirty Canadians.
0: All right. Um, Just in case you have started listening because of Spiffbo and have not heard anybody but my silky smooth voice, Uh, Katie is my wife. Uh, She's clearly not important other than that. True. Um, True. That's how ladies are. It's true. She's just a woman.
2: I mean, yeah, if you can consider me a lady anyway.
0: <laughs> I have not considered you a lady since the first time I met you. Just kidding, dear. You're the greatest. And Chris is a fraternity brother of mine. For many years, we've been friends since college, as we are all getting old now.
1: That's right. And the wedding officiant of the two of you. Yes.
2: It's true. He did marry us. He yeah. did marry us. Sounds like he's a lot more part of our marriage than he really is, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes. Arms length. Arms length. <laughs> Arms length.
0: <laughs> yes, he is not a third in a thruple So, uh, anyways, uh, now that we have completely had most of you turn the podcast off as a result of my intro, uh, let's go ahead real quick. I will give you the book info and stats on this fine, fine book. The book is called The. Is, <laughs> <laughs> is
2: it, what's it called now?
0: It is Sunless Ascends by Josiah Bancroft. It is the first book in the Book of Babel series. It is 448 pages long. The second book, uh, The Armour of the Sphinx, will be out later this year. Um, an important note for both of these books is that they were self-published novels that have been out for several years that were then taken off the shelf last year after um, Spiffbo 2016. And it got noticed because of that and picked up by Orbit Books. So um, it is, I guess, a reissuing through Orbit. Chris, would you be so kind as to
1: read the Goodreads blurb for us? Certainly. The Tower of Babel is the greatest marvel in the world. Immense as a mountain, the ancient tower holds unnumbered ringdoms, warring and peaceful, stacked one on the other like the layers of a cake. It is a world of geniuses and tyrants, of airships and steam engines, of unusual animals and mysterious machines. Soon after arriving for his honeymoon at the tower, the mild-mannered headmaster of a small village school, Thomas Senlin, gets separated from his wife, Maria, in the overwhelming swarm of tourists, residents, and miscreants. Senlin is determined to find Maria, but to do so, he'll have to navigate madhouses, ballrooms, and burlesque theaters. He must survive betrayal, assassination, and the long guns of a flying fortress. But if he hopes to find his wife, he will have to do more than just endure. This quiet man of letters must become a man of action.
0: Thank you, Chris. You are welcome. Um, As per usual, I will give you my one to two sentence take. It is a tale of a man who has lost his wife in the tower and the travails he must go through to once again find her.
1: Could I throw my brief one in there? (coughs) I don't see why you couldn't. A man maneuvers through a variety of levels within a world to save his princess. Overworld. Castle. Underwater. Ice world. Collecting (laughs) coins and mushrooms (laughs) and stomping Goombas and Koopa Troopas. (laughs) (laughs) She's she's in the next (laughs) castle, though. She's always in the next castle. Dana, Dana. Dana. (laughs)
0: <laughs> sorry uh, no no oh man uh, so since uh chris and i have given our takes katie what you'll i'll let you have the first thought on your first thought on the book
2: can't put me on the spot like that you guys prepared yours
0: well yeah because we care about this podcast
2: <laughs> i have been listening to my own voice all day for work Editing your own voice is literally the worst.
0: I don't know. I like to hear myself talk. I quite enjoy editing these. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Okay, fine then. I will start us off. Um, our main character is Senlan. He is the only point of view character. Am I correct on that? I don't recall in, them
2: having another one. In this novel, yes.
0: In this novel, okay. He is a schoolmaster in the land of Ur. Is that how you say it? It's the biblical land of Ur.
2: I didn't take any Bible classes.
0: Uh, yeah. So anyways, that's what we're going to go with. Um, the Tower of Babel is a real thing that never fell in this story. Um, Wait,
2: so this is, I don't have a biblical background. Is this the way the Tower of Babel was supposed to be?
0: It was supposed to have like reached. Yeah. It was supposed to have like been everyone together and they built this tower t- trying to go to the gods to actually like reach God.
2: But they were all supposed to live in it. and
0: in- I-, I assume so. And then it fell. It's really only described as man's folly and the reason why we all speak different tongues now, even though we supposedly all came from the same place.
2: Okay, because without the background, I, I didn't think that it was much more than vaguely inspired by that, but I wasn't sure. So
0: Well, I mean, it's the same place and territory as in the Bible, so I'm just going to assume that's his, uh, his basis for it.
1: I had no background in that and didn't find it any less appealing. because Yeah, no, you definitely don't need it.
0: No, no, like just just so we there is no uh, evidence of a um, (laughs) Judeo-Christian worldview that's put forth at any point. So nothing religious. I don't think anyone seems to have any religion other than money and power in this novel. Mm hmm. But I'm um, just giving that real quick, though, uh, Sunlin, our m- our point-of-view character, he's a schoolmaster in the land of Ur who has always romanticized the Tower of Babel. He goes on a honeymoon with his wife, loses her literally immediately at the beginning of the story, and that's kind of how we're going to go from there. Let's talk about Sunlin, our main character. I don't know why, but I literally saw Ichabod Crane in the description like i thought of him as like tall and angular um he had a younger wife kind of like in the tail of the headless horseman i don't know if anyone else saw that
2: um i i can agree i did also see him as kind of like the thin and tall and angular but i don't know if it's how he was described or if it's because as a schoolmaster that's kind of what i picture is like the severe like he was described also as not very emotional and kind of reserved. Yeah. So that's another those are physical attributes I attribute to someone who is very reserved and in power over children.
0: <laughs> okay, Chris? What what did you think of him?
1: Yeah, I I think he he did have kind of that uh that that calm intensity that you think of with a like a stern principle.
0: Okay. <laughs> um if there is a Bible in this uh, narrative, it is the Everyman's Guide to the Tower that he brings with him, and that, as we see in like flashbacks, he talks about with like reverence to his students as he's talking about how amazing the tower is before he actually gets there and realizes how much of a madhouse it is.
2: Yeah, and I really like that too. Was that he would remember? Oh, I love telling them about this. This is this is nothing like that. I feel bad for telling them those things.
1: <laughs> yeah, the disappointment of oh, it is not what I was expecting. Based yeah. on uh, he he loved it. It was something mm-hmm. that was I mean, this was his his dream honeymoon was to go to this really cool place that he's built up in his mind and then for it to really not be that was uh, was kind of a fun uh a fun interaction.
2: Yeah, and it was in literally the first pages. He's like, the skirts, that was never in any of the books. Yeah. Like, he immediately discovers that nothing is what he thought it would be.
0: Well, it's funny, too, because I almost think that if he hadn't had this love, like, for the everyman's um, guide, that maybe he would have been, like, better off and he would have learned something. Because, I mean, one of the first things that happens afterwards is they're like, How come you didn't take an airship in? Like, nobody comes in through the ground level if they, you know, if they don't want things to go wrong.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and that's even when he's down in the markets. He's like, Why are you tied together with a rope? Like, <laughs> you'll find out. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and now the Tower of Babel it is basically a character of its own in the novel it's actually surprising it has a pretty small cast of of characters who we we deal with you know for as many people as there are in this novel but the tower is basically is is you know a, a character of its own um we start off um there's the crazy like outdoor markets before you even get inside the tower and then we have the basement anyone want to describe the basement
1: I sort of saw the basement similar to the basement of our fraternity house where <laughs> it's uh, it's partying and beer being spilled everywhere and uh, and there's just a general you know, kind of bad a smell. Seedy place and yeah and yeah.
2: I saw that too but also was kind of worse to me it was it was slums there were there were some parts that were okay it was basically the 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 low criminals, not like the white collar criminals that are more elsewhere.
0: yeah, basically just like our the basement <laughs> of our fraternity house.
2: your your fraternity house were favelas. yeah, to me it was it was more like if the other ringdoms were more advanced, this was still like medieval like London when things were ready to burn down.
0: Okay. <laughs> that, that's probably <laughs> a pretty good
1: description. Maybe Oktoberfest in 60s Vegas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, aren't they, they're doing, I can't remember if they're doing drugs down there as well, like right off the bat.
2: I think just the beer. Just the beer. The okay. beer me go around? The
0: beer me go around. Yeah. That that's fun.
2: Yeah. But it was also the first hint to like, there's obviously something more going on if there's free beer.
1: Right. Yeah. So, free beer for labor,
2: yeah, yeah, exactly, but it's also still they're not thinking of it that way. Right. It's free beer for poor people
0: (laughs) yeah and i don't think that we can get any farther into what chris is talking about without giving out a little bit of a spoiler Mm -hmm. but it is super cool like the way the tower works like once you finally find out you know some of these things but um yeah
2: and each each level it goes through gives you another hint mm -hmm. and you kind of you you it's you get the feeling that something's going on and you get to try to figure it out which is something i always like in a book when there are hints laid and not just this big reveal and you're like wait a second there was No foreshadowing at all.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, Chris,
1: will you tell us about the parlor then? Ooh, the parlor. The parlor was uh, an area where you pay to participate in a play. And there are four people involved in that play. And you are a participant rather than going in and being an audience. Uh, It turns out that the one that thomas Senlin gets involved in does not go as (laughs) you might uh, expect it to and i don't know how much we want to get into
2: i mean to in order to ascend beyond the second floor you have to participate which is another one reason why people take the airships into the level they're intending to go to so that they don't have to go through every level the way it's intended. Yeah.
1: There, yes. yeah, there is an element of accomplishing things mm-hmm. in each of these levels and, and being able to move to the next level because you've accomplished them. Yes. It's not always uh, well laid out what you're trying to accomplish, but yeah. there is something that you're supposed to do mm-hmm. to get there.
0: And a lot of people do know what they're doing. Like, you know, he meets someone who came to do the play on purpose yeah, he's, and, he's, he travels
2: yeah. there. That's what he comes to do. Yeah, it's but, his escape from his life. And, but being caught
0: unawares is... This would just be like literally insanity. But I And I, I don't know, remember, if this is for sure. But I think they say that like it takes the average person like seven to ten days to make it through, the, to play the play out. Is that correct? Did I hear that? I
2: don't remember the actual... Well, I think the, the play... Ha- and I, each play is different, is the impression I got. So there could be more players or fewer players per play. And it has a set amount of time that you're supposed to be in this play, living this play.
0: Okay. And, but now when, yeah, everybody's doing the same play at a time. It's just that they will reset the play and do different things. You walk
2: up and you're given a character essentially based on who they think you would do well as. Mm -hmm. And you go and you are given a wardrobe and you are to live this character. And pretend like this is who you are until it's done.
0: Yep. And then Katie, since uh, I had Chris describe the last one, what happens in the baths? That's level three, which is the, also the last place that the average person will go to. That's the highest level.
2: The baths are the big tourist area. There, it's like a nice town. It's like to me, I pictured it as like a tourist town in Italy. For the architecture,
1: I was thinking French Riviera. Yeah, yeah kinda, with kind of beaches and and patio cafes. Yeah, and, stucco and yeah. like just
2: nice white everywhere. I and... actually
1: saw it as the
0: Jersey Shore in <laughs> like the 1930s though. Oh. With uh, what was the HBO one? Where they were like... Was that Boardwalk Empire? Boardwalk Empire. That's what, in my mind, it was, was Boardwalk Empire.
2: Well, as you get further into it, you see that, like... Was it the governor? Mayor? The governor. The (laughs) governor. The governor. uh, That is... Governor. Maybe because every ringdom is ruled completely independently from the other ones, in theory, and has their own rules. So it does feel a little bit more like they have a almost like a Victorian society of upper class people, but also they're kind of gangsters.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, like the tourists are like a separate entity, but like the people who stay there that live there, that live there. Yeah. And, but one thing like I always like, it sounds like a really cool place, but being inside somewhere like with, with all that warm water, don't you think it like really would have been like moldy and I don't damp
2: though, because it's moist. So big, like the, maybe. Yeah. It's almost like not having a roof. Yeah. Like the the basement, they describe gigantic stalag... Tights? Tights? Mites?
0: Mites and tights. I think
2: tights might be from the ceiling. I can't remember. With gigantic snails on them. Like, you can't touch them. They're real far away. They don't know how tall the tower is. Like, each level has to be humongous, and they're different, so you can't just look at it and determine what you think it is.
0: Yeah, we don't know how, they don't have, like, a definitive number either of how many levels there are. And I think that one thing, like, we, I I didn't describe in the first place, and I should have, is that the Tower of Babel is massive. And when I say massive, I mean, each floor is, like, miles in circumference.
2: Yeah, and there's... As far as you can see, there's tower and then there's a ring of clouds around it so you can't even see the apex Yeah, from outside.
0: Okay, and then um, we will make it um, with Sunlin to higher levels. I don't necessarily think we need to talk about those. Or do you think we should talk about the level that he ends up on, New Babel?
1: Christmas? We can. Quite a bit of it takes place there. Quite
0: a bit of it does, yeah. Yeah,
1: and it's not spoilery.
0: Okay, Um. And so, yeah, so once, once we make it past those first three levels, um, I think we're about 40% into the novel. So I guess, yeah, like a majority of the book does take place in um, New Babel is what it's called. It's kind of a place where people actually live. Um, the people who are there, all of the people who are there are either workers. They're going to have, it's kind of like then really jumping into like the early 19-teens. Um, you have uh, automobiles. Um, there are guns like technology wise, there's electricity, but I think Mm -hmm. that like the best way to describe it is as about like the night, you know, early 1900s technology wise. Yeah. I mean,
2: technology wise, I don't know, uh, when things, I just play Civ and I usually am ahead of (laughs) what it actually should be. So,
0: yeah. Well, I think maybe that's part of why I saw Boardwalk Empire in, in this, uh, like you
2: said that about the
0: bass yeah but i'm saying that like i think oh, that like general. maybe in general i started i kind of started thinking that like because of of that you know like the mm-hmm. early automobiles um selling super excited when he when he you know first gets to see an automobile because he's never seen one before mm-hmm. um he does take a train there so we have trains and um so yeah i think just in general we're talking about like early 1900s for tech wise and um New Babel is basically just...
2: It is the den of drugs and whores.
0: Yes, the den of vice. And um, uh,
2: gangsters. And gangsters, <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, they have an illegal port, basically, um, that everyone accepts being there, all the rich people, because it's where they... Uh, and
2: they get them drugs in.
0: Yeah, they get their drugs and in. Out,
2: and their whores in.
0: Yep. And the pirates, which... Uh, there's airships with people who are actually like legitimately pirates. Yeah. It's a and little
2: bit steampunky.
0: Yeah. There's a little bit of that. Yeah. I would say very much so. Yeah, okay. I like Very it. much so. <laughs> um, anything else we want to talk about with the, uh, with new Babel as far as like the description of it or is that pretty good?
2: Yeah. I don't want to give too much away. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, what else should we talk about then? Like with the world building part, what do you guys have that you would like to talk about?
2: Um, So my big thing was I was immediately drawn into this book and part of it was like it says he lost his wife immediately and when they're in the market she says he says well what happens if we get separated she says I'll meet you at the top of the tower and so when they get separated I'm like oh yeah this is happening we are gonna see this tower So I I flew through the book because I just couldn't wait to see what happened next because I knew that it was just going to keep showing me more and more.
1: Yeah, and as you get a few of those levels, you start thinking like, wow, the the variety involved and yeah. just how they are they are very much different worlds wa- was really cool because there is that element of, well, I want to know what the next one is. Yeah. And I want to know what the next one is.
2: And they're completely, like you almost see... Like as you go up there, you know, kind of getting nicer and more touristy. And then you get to New Babel. You're like, there's, there's no pattern here.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did not expect New Babel. <laughs> yeah. You read the book in like a day and a half. Yeah. But
2: yeah. I, I was at work and I, st- I still went through it in a day and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wasn't necessarily reading it at work, but they were both work days.
0: She was definitely reading it while we were trying to put our son to bed and I lean over, I'm like, What is Katie doing? Not like completely laying away from Bran. Oh yeah, she's reading the novel.
2: Heck yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't care. As long as he can't see it.
0: All right. So, um anything more like with the the world building part that we were kind of describing things, or we want to talk get into like kinda of
1: how we thought about the book? Well, it's a little bit outside of the world building, but okay. the to me the prose was what appealed the most mm-hmm. about this book. Uh, Josiah Bancroft is a fantastic writer. Yes, it was poetic. It was lyrical. It just he would turn a phrase that I had to look up. Like I, I would be like, that is a just an amazing description of what just happened in so few words that I would Google. Uh, that turn of phrase, wondering, did he just make up an idiom that works perfectly <laughs> for this? And quite often, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, there is zero doubt that, that this guy can write. But I guess, like, I was kind of waiting for a second to get into this, but, like, I think that I, I want to now, with what Chris just said, is that, like, I was, like, we have here in Idaho what's called an inversion where you don't see sunlight for weeks at a time, sometimes, and when that happens, sometimes I can get into a little bit of a funk, and I that was happening when I started reading the book. Like I felt so despairing, like Senlin had to have felt for, like it, you know, when I first started reading this, that it took me a couple weeks till I kind of got out of that funk before I really could get started on this book, because like I just felt like he got us into Senlin's head, and he like the way he just weaves this narrative, I could feel the despair that Senlin felt. Because of losing his wife and just how crazy things went, you know?
2: Yeah. Mine, I really also enjoyed the character development on that vein. At first, to me, Senlin didn't seem nearly as interesting as his wife did. As they would show it in flashbacks. And I also questioned their relationship. Like, he told such good stories. I questioned, like, their relationship as it built it. Like, in the flashbacks.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, you and, kind of wondered if it wasn't the way he said it was.
2: Yeah. Cause he, the person he, and he's so naive in everything, it seems like, that you're like, really? Did, did she do this on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> in general, I felt like she would have been a more interesting protagonist just the way he told it. Like, mm-hmm. the way he told his own story of the two of them.
1: Yeah. And so, that was something that I even, uh, wrote that down to bring up at some point and this is probably a great time for that is that I kind of want to know her story yeah they touch on it a little bit Mm -hmm. but for the I mean he's been in there for what weeks months
0: months
2: yeah Yeah. like literally months months
1: we get so little of what she's done Mm -hmm. she seemed like a fascinating character that it would be fun to see you know her
2: yeah
1: because she also climbed this tower, right? Yeah. So she would have, you know, potentially just as good a story. Mm-hmm. And I want to just interrupt with one thing that she,
0: like this literally takes like months. I mean, we're talking yeah. like multiple months. And I loved that. It, there is nothing that irritates me more in a, in a novel where it sounds like they've been on this crazy long journey And it's been three weeks, (laughs) like the way that, you know, it'll be described. It sounds like it should have taken months or someone like suddenly becomes proficient with a sword and it hasn't been nine months that they've been training every day. It's been 10 days, Mm -hmm. but it sounds like it's been nine months until it gets there. Like basically
2: a giant Rocky montage that takes place in (laughs) a week.
0: (laughs) But this actually happened. like, you know, this is like an ongoing like thing. I mean, he's, you know, he's feeling his despair for months not days, you know, and I, I I feel like that. That's just such a strength to this story.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, but as as the story goes on, I do uh, I do grow to like Senlin far more yeah. than I did at the beginning.
1: Yeah, and it helped uh, as you do get a little bit of backstory on their relationship. It helped to see that I think to uh, more legitimize the marriage that you know this whole story is the foundation. Yeah, and- of is that he's on his honeymoon. And to see a little bit of their relationship previous to it helped.
2: Yeah, it definitely made him more likable. Yeah, seeing him in those situations.
0: Yeah, it really does make him far more human. Like he, I mean, basically just seems like he has Asperger's when the story starts off, and I mean he may really like that may be the truth, but he just he see he does you know seem pretty one dimensional when the story starts. And then it carries on and like really develops him, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are a few characters who I really do enjoy. I he don't meets know, at least maybe.
2: one important character in each level, and they're very. They have a lot of influence on him. And it's hard to. I mean, he, after. Like, you have a hard time in this situation. Like, should he trust them? Should he not? Like, and every time. You're like in it with him like do I trust this character or do I not and then whether he is or isn't betrayed you feel like oh No, me too.
1: Yeah, you're very much in the boat with him of Kind of everyone around him seems to know what's going on. hmm and he doesn't and You don't it's kind of a everyone else is in on the joke yeah, it but he like. thinks
2: he knows what's going yeah, on because yeah. of he used to teach it. So he's like, "Oh, I know everything." Yeah, Wait, and he knows
1: and he knows his everyman's guide. Yeah. That is just completely wrong.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah,
0: it's just complete garbage, but but propaganda. <laughs> one thing, hey, I want to talk about and I didn't write this down in my notes, but how would you guys just, um categorize this novel? What I It's not really a true fantasy novel.
2: Um
1: Oh yeah, it's uh,
2: it's definitely an adventure.
0: Like almost,
1: I would it's almost like
2: a steampunk adventure.
0: I would almost like categorize it like alternate history. It's an alternate hi- <laughs> like I. That's almost. I feel like that's a dirty word sometimes when you say alternate <laughs> history, um, even though you know I've read literally dozens of SM Sterling slash uh, his uh, spinoff ones that he's written the uh, outlines for, but. I, I mean, it's set in the land of Ur, which, and the tower just never fell. And it's basically made it to uh, like early 1900s, like in a steampunky way, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, I guess an adventure novel.
2: You know what yeah, but I mean, that's, that's one way that you start like almost like a sci-fi novel is you pick one thing that's different and you imagine how everything after it's different. And that's kind of how I see this. I uh, it's
1: speculative fiction, fic- maybe work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it's hard to categorize this. There's mm-hmm. a very small element of fantasy, I guess, with kind of the uh, the the red goo yeah. or whatever.
2: But it's also almost like a like it could be explainable, not magic. You know, yeah. it could be science. Yeah, it potentially could. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, one well, like I I really do feel like if this novel manages to take off, and I really do hope it becomes like a bestseller, that like twenty or thirty years ago or twenty or thirty years. Yes, twenty or thirty years in the past, no, twenty or thirty years from now, like this is gonna be like a like a seminal work type of novel, like that could be like a genre changer mm-hmm. that people are going to, to read as like a classic type of a thing, you know?
2: Well, I think I, this would be an amazing TV show. Oh or movie. my goodness. Mm-hmm. I want to see this place. I want to help create this place. And it's not too fantasy. It's mm-hmm. not too crazy that but it's it would be stunning. and it would be such a good story that people would really get into it
1: mm-hmm. and i this might be jumping ahead to the, you know, who should read this. but, uh, as you were saying with the idea that this could be something that's actually considered like classic literature. Uh, in the future, uh, this is the kind of thing that I think high school kids should be reading. Yeah. <gasps> Instead yeah. of the things that are forced upon them that they find so boring, like this is something that I think would be entertaining, but also accomplish, uh, you know, what an English class is trying to accomplish in the wordsmithing of it mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and
2: like the descriptive nature and yeah.
1: allegory. And yeah, it, it, I think that this is something that could be taught in a school and kids would actually enjoy it you should see if your mom will teach
2: it in her I'm, class
0: <laughs> i already plan on taking the book to her. like i you know my mom is an english teacher so um i'm going to give this book to her for sure and tell her she has
1: to read it my what? mom is a retired uh she teaches taught fourth and fifth grade like highly capable students mm-hmm. and uh she's reading it right now is she uh, yeah. is she liking it she is
0: yeah like i but the thing is is that yeah like this is you don't want to get like too much into hyperbole since we already started on it. Like more people than I would have any other book I, we've, that we've done and that I imagine we'll ever do that I would say that more people could read this and like it. Like people who just like regular fiction or who read, you know.
2: Well, it's so the whole thing with how like Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire got so big. It wasn't too much magic in the beginning. Yeah. Like it it eased you into it by being kind of like a medieval fiction. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this has the same kinds of makings of it. It can it can ease you in by being kind of an industrial era fiction, but then having these elements that are a little bit more steampunk and a little more sci fi and a little maybe fantasy, just imaginative.
0: Yeah. But uh, it can I mean- really
2: get a wider eyed I- audience.
0: Like what you're talking about, one of the reasons why I hope this book does very well is I want like HBO or Netflix yeah. or somebody to pick this up. Like this would be so amazing as a TV series. It has to be mm-hmm. a TV series, not a movie, because you want it to continue on and like really be able to get that nuance and the depth. You know, like a see the first three seasons could be each
1: of the three ringdoms. Yeah. Now, I'm not disagreeing with you here.
2: Some of those <laughs> but, would be a little too long. But
1: I one. think that... Uh, with this book, uh, back to what really grabbed me about this book was that I think putting it in that Netflix, HBO medium takes away from the writing. Mm-hmm. I, that, the writing of it was just so incredible to me that if you take away the prose and make it a visual medium, I think that it would be difficult to do the same justice to this story that Josiah Bancroft does with his words.
2: Yeah. Honestly, I also feel like I, this won't help your words, saying this would make an amazing video game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, it, it would completely it change would. the game. But yeah. also,
2: even like if it was a TV series, you, you would obviously have to try to do something about that, but you could also make a spinoff series based on the world that doesn't even necessarily need to be this. It doesn't
1: need to be Thomas Senlin's. yeah,. yeah. Well,
2: I feel like there's so much in this tower. There are so many stories that can come out of it that even I hope that after he finishes his series, he's doing that he does more
0: well, yeah. well, I think that the way I would imagine, like that you would have to do it to continue to get that um that literary narrative is you would have to have you would have to have a narrator in Senland's voice, you know, mm-hmm. so that you could have that. That yeah. little bit more, yeah, and um, like eloquent uh, part. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's uh, talk about. We've, I mean, I think we've pretty much described how we like it and how it made us feel. Um,
1: well, can I? You uh, go with whatever the, you want to go for the how it made us feel. Like so, six months ago ish, I went on my own honeymoon, mm-hmm. and so we went to spain and my wife speaks a little bit of spanish and i do not and it was terrifying that <laughs> like if we got separated that i was gonna have to try to find my way around just spain and i mean you know it, it's not as devious as <laughs> this tower this tower but <laughs> no, that I mean, was... we were in
0: barcelona this summer we were pretty okay
1: yeah, yeah, I, I would have been fine.
0: Yeah, I know, but, I understand what you're saying.
1: But yeah, so to be on my, you know, to to have just experienced my own honeymoon and some of the the anxiety involved in that made me so anxious while reading this. And I have a quick story about, well, we were in Granada. We went to the torture museum uh, <laughs> and the, like, the torture and inquisition museum oh, in Granada. Interesting. Yeah. And so this is... The Moorish uh, building structure is basically to build in a square surrounding a, uh, like a, a water feature. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, like a, a little, feature. yeah, a little courtyard with a water feature. And then the building is a square around that. And we went into this torture museum and, you know, we're in the first, we're on the first floor and there's kind of this mellow, Plucked acoustic guitar music and there's a water feature. So kind of bubbling you can hear the water and we're surrounded by like racks and guillotines <laughs> and and <laughs> wheels with like, you know, fake skeletons and the like it's, I mean, hole, it's yeah. a torture museum, right? Yeah. and then you go up to the second floor of this square uh, and there's, you know, uh, iron maidens and uh, clamps and uh, all just all this extra, you know, torture and inquisition stuff. And that music <laughs> is still playing and you can still hear the bubbling of the water feature in the middle. <laughs> and then you go up to the third floor and there are masks and knives and like masks with, uh, you know, with spikes in them and <laughs> just uh, all the terrible ways that people have figured out how to hurt other people. And you keep climbing at ascending this tower <laughs> and still this creepy, mellow music and more torture instruments. And then there's a stairway and at the land. So there's a, uh, you know, two part stairway. And at the first landing, there's kind of a cage suspended and there's a skeleton in that you think, okay, so we keep going up to this fifth floor, but the fifth floor is just this one room and it's empty but for a rug just sitting in the middle of this room and there is nothing in this room (laughs) and you're kind of too far away from the water feature and you're kind of too far away from the speakers playing the mellow music. So it's silent I have never been more on edge uh, <laughs> of like a tourista situation or I like I was looking at all the windows like, OK, Amanda, steer clear of the windows. Uh, don't step on the rug because what if that like <laughs> what if that, it's a uh, hole pulls underneath? out and there's a hole and then all of a sudden we're silence of the land. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of. Like how, you felt. how I felt reading this book was just on edge for this yeah. guy who had lost his his wife on his honeymoon. That's a terrifying thought. Mm-hmm. So that's how this book made me feel like it's a fun <laughs> adventure. But I was also just really on edge. Yeah. Rooting for him to get past this terrible thing that I had imagined on my honeymoon. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, for me, like, I, you know, that was kind
0: of part of my why, like, I said that I had a hard time getting into it, because, like, you, I did, I felt his angst, and I felt his terror, you know, and so it was, it was just a, it was a really intense book. Um, I think that um, I clearly would recommend it to, like I said, more people than any other novel that uh, we've done so far, for sure.
1: Oh, I've been, I've been recommending it to anyone who will listen. (laughs) I, Mm -hmm. uh, I may have ruined some of my recommendation because I've recommended so many, uh, (laughs) just true crime and fantasy (laughs) and sci-fi and that's it. But this one, I really think has such a broad, a potential broad audience that, I mean, I, I, I've got my mom reading it now and I, I'd recommend this to anyone who enjoys reading fiction at all.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, alrighty then. Well, the the whole how would we rate it? I'm gonna give it a five star notes be damned because I've talked myself into it at this point. <laughs> the writing is amazing, you know. There's zero question whether I'm gonna read the second one. You already have read the second one, Katie.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, and I I literally have been we were at a game night two weeks ago and I was recommending it to people that I
0: yeah, I mean, there's zero question that I would recommend it to anybody. Um, mm-hmm. Chris, I'm going to let you give your rating. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely going to give this one a five. <laughs> yeah.
2: After all, I'm going to give it a two.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: this book was, it was, it was acceptable, I suppose. And we already talked about who uh, should and shouldn't read it. Like, There's a little bit of adult stuff in it, but I still think that from teenager on up, unless you're pretty strict with your kids, you should be able to... There's some sexuality, but no actual sex scenes in it. I mean, we talk about whores. Yeah, there's is that even a, even a bur- an burlesque. Word
1: for her? Yeah, there's a bur- burlesque show. There's a little bit of drug use, use. <laughs> although the drug is a fake drug.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't um, call it a fake drug. Well, okay, well, it's, I mean, a, it's, it's a it's hallucinogen. A, it's a drug that doesn't but, exist in our world. Yeah, no, yeah. it is a, f- a fake one, but it's still. And um, anyone that is another thing is. The second book is in multiple perspectives. So the first hmm. one is a single perspective. And the second one is... I actually don't even know how many. Some of them have, you know, shorter ones and some are longer. But there are multiple.
0: Okay. So um, I think at this point, like, we've pretty much uh, said oh, yeah, everything. And
2: one thing that, since this is... One thing I also liked, because that reminded me of, because it was in the baths, there is not it's not just about him finding his wife by the end of the book there is an undercurrent of other things going on in the tower that he's getting pulled into that especially by the end of the second book you're really getting into it too and it's this huge like all these mysteries and it adds just another element to that suspense
0: oh yeah the world definitely expounds and i mean like by Two thirds of the way through the book, like he doesn't have any hopes of this going quickly, Mm -hmm. that it's not going to take him, you know, a long period of time. And it's not even necessarily like he can't even always actively be trying to find her, you know, as by the time the story gets, you know, a little farther into it. Mm -hmm.
1: He has Mm -hmm. side quests. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He gets involved in side quests.
2: It's like a game of Skyrim wherever you wander, there's going to be stuff to do, and eventually you'll get back to your normal one.
1: I uh well I wanted to be sure that I got this in.
0: Well, how did oh, we no. I how, I don't know how every single time I'm like oh, wait, we what, We, still need, to do we still
1: need to do the metal corner. Okay. Yeah, so uh I got a completely different vibe out of this, so I'm not gonna do Hazen's metal corner. I'm gonna <laughs> okay. do Hazen's dance hall pop punk with a vaudeville twist <laughs> corner. No. This the the vibe of this book that I got was Panic at the Disco's first album, A Fever You Can't Sweat Out. (laughs) Like that second half, that's a lot of uh, like pianos and orchestral strings and timpani drums and that kind of thing, uh, but still with kind of a, like with kind of like a a dance punk Mm -hmm. uh, driving drum beat. And the last track on that album is called Build God, Then We'll Talk. And the lyrics are kind of The that feel of like wanting something to be really good, but it just isn't, which (laughs) kind of is Senlin's experience in the tower of he wanted it to be this awesome thing. And then it turned out to be nothing like that. And the lyrics go, uh, there are no raindrops on roses and girls in white dresses. It's sleeping with roaches and taking best guesses Mm -hmm. at the shade of the sheets and before all the stains, a few more of your least favorite things. (laughs) Mm hmm something that totally liked the vibe and then kind of that feel of Mm -hmm. like, yeah, there, this isn't raindrops on roses and girls in white dresses. It's sleeping with roaches and that kind of.
0: Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. And that, that does, when we're talking about music, this to me is the band cursive. And I had a, a friend who was an orchestra that described it as, what are they doing to that cello?
0: What's that?
2: Oh, a- yes he had it written I- down too <laughs>
1: had, I had cursive written I think down I didn't
2: have that album <laughs> I own very few CDs oh man but yeah that's like if I listened to that while reading this it would be the whole thing it would be so fitting
1: well and he kind of uh, hints at a vibe like that with uh, uh, Maria's piano playing yeah. where it, it's very intense uh, what is intense. she doing to
2: that piano yeah <laughs>
1: Where uh, and that was one of the phrases that I loved was when she sat sat down at a piano and started banging away and there was a guy holding a drink leaning against the piano and then when that started, it said uh, oh I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna miss it but I think he said something along the lines of uh, he jumped into his drink, which perfectly displayed to me like he got startled off the piano, spilling his drink on himself, mm-hmm. like he jumped into his drink and I was like. Is that a phrase? Because that's perfect.
2: Because it should be a phrase. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can start it.
0: Yes. We we'll should. make it happen. Oh, man. All right. Well, as my mom keeps texting me that it, Bran is uh, asking for. It's almost for, bedtime. It is almost bedtime. <laughs> and he's asking us for mama and dad to come pick him up. Apparently, um, our son is at grandma, grandpa daycare. They only live a mile away, so it'll be a quick little trip. But um, Chris, thank you for
1: making the trek out to Middleton. Yeah, thank you for having me. One last question about this yeah. book. Mm-hmm. What do I have to do to get a Tower of Babel escape room? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man.
2: Talk to Boise Escape. Yeah. Maybe they can do it for that you. That would be incredible. It would be. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it wouldn't
1: take months. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Hopefully, you wouldn't have to actually do any drugs. Well, I mean, if I they mean, were. <laughs> as long as you're not addicted.
1: Yeah. yeah. There you
0: go. <laughs> and Katie, thank you for uh, making it over to my office.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was a really long trek. <laughs> had Had we not been doing this, I probably would have been playing Civ Six. Yes. And you're very cheer.
0: Yes. On this computer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Katie and I have um, gotten to an equilibrium lately. She plays Civ 6, and I am back to reading and playing FIFA on the PlayStation FIFA. 4. It's, yes, I love that game.
1: Yeah,
0: I love my football. Is it pretty corrupt? <laughs> oh, you know it is especially sometimes uh, sometimes I feel like I should play it on like the the hardest level instead of the second hardest level when I'm scoring like massive amounts of goals and then I'm like you know what no this is a video game this is my video game experience and I am enjoying the hell out of scoring a goal almost every game so you know what like I don't care how unrealistic (laughs) it is it's my experience a goal almost every game
1: you must really be playing soccer yeah no like it's like
0: on the hardest level almost
1: every game
0: well on the very <laughs> like you know like the superstar level yeah like it's pretty a tough game but like on the like i played on the level just below the hardest mm-hmm. and it's still hard i mean like you know like if i'm playing good teams they'll still beat me but i you know
2: i don't think i've ever played Civ above king because then i just get destroyed they get aggressive they just attack and roll you immediately a lot
0: of like these games like I don't that I don't like when you play on the very hardest level is yeah it's not like it makes it harder to uh, to like do things it just makes it so that the your opponents are so aggressive all the time that they just attack you immediately yeah so anyways
2: I don't want to just build an army I want to get my science up <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right well as my mom just sent me yet another text I guess it really is time to go thanks guys thanks
1: thank you <laughs>